You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. going to have eternal life, we must come to Jesus. We must look at Him as our supreme and all-satisfying treasure. We must look at Him as our thirst-quenching water. We must look at Him as our hunger-stilling bread. We must look at Him as our ever-guiding, all-illuminating life. And we must look at Him as our infinitely precious substitute, the sacrifice Lamb of God. That's what we have to see when we look at Jesus Christ, because that's who He is. The only way to have eternal life with the Father is to put your trust and faith in Jesus. In today's message, Pastor Dave will teach on the importance of seeing Jesus as your source of life. The Bible teaches that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Think on this for a moment. In whom do you put your trust? Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 7 as he continues his message, No man ever spoke like this. People were choosing sides. Some were taking Jesus' cause and believing in him. Others wanted to arrest him. And you know what the religious leaders wanted to do? They simply wanted to get rid of him. Let's kill him and get him out of the way. No one laid hands on him. They did try to arrest him, though, but their arrest was unsuccessful. No one laid hands on him. It wasn't because the arresting officers were incompetent, but as we discussed before, it was because the time wasn't right. And it was impossible for Jesus to be stopped until the Father's timing was perfect. But deep inside the officer's heart, they heard something that they never heard before. Something rang true in their heart. These officers of the church, these officers sent by the Pharisees, something came in there. Oh, now listen, they've heard many rabbis speak. They've heard many rabbis speak. They used to guard the temples. They used to be there. They heard the rabbis teach and teach and teach and teach. But this man's words were different. Different to the point than when they were asked by the Pharisees, why did you fail to bring him to us? They simply said, no man ever spoke like that. Look at verses 45 and 46. Then the officers came to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, why have you not brought him? The officers answered, no man ever spoke like this man. I read one commentator who said a pretty funny thing. It's as if the arresting officer said, we went to arrest him, but he ended up arresting us. Imagine these men, these officers testifying about Jesus Christ, about his words. They're testifying in front of the Pharisees. This guy speaks with such clarity. This guy speaks with such generosity. This guy speaks with such love, such authority. Nobody's ever spoken like that. In fact, you don't even speak like that. 47 and 48. Then the Pharisees answered them, Are you also deceived? Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed in him? Once again, going back to one of our favorite topics, these religious leaders are so caught up in their religious box that they can't see the facts honestly. 
They continue to pass judgment upon Jesus based on their own prejudices and their own superficial examination of the facts. Their pride was so plain, their pride was so evident that they were even contemptible of their own common people. These people don't even know the law. What did they hope for? They hoped to shame and intimidate those who didn't arrest Jesus with this idea. All the smart people and all the intelligent people and all the spiritual people don't follow Jesus. Did you ever hear that argument? Has anybody ever said that to you? Well, if you were truly intelligent, you wouldn't follow Jesus Christ. Let me take it one step better. You following Jesus Christ? Oh, you must be mentally ill. You know, it's easy for us to label people instead of investigating the facts for ourselves, isn't it? It's so easy to call people's names when we don't agree with them. It's so easy to shout out names and point out their misgivings when we don't agree with them or have a different opinion. But basically, these officers were being told by the Pharisees, don't be duped by this Galilean. After all, we're the ones with the intelligence. We have the degrees to prove it. Look, we're the ones who have the smarts around here. You're going for this guy who's just a carpenter's son. They're basically saying, have any of the really important people believed in him? You know, like the Pharisees? Have anybody else believed in him? You guys didn't, do you? Good. We shouldn't find this hard to believe. We really shouldn't find this hard to believe. Because those who are supposedly intelligent refuse to believe upon Jesus Christ. For that matter, many religious leaders also reject Jesus Christ as God. Because God has hidden the truth from the wise and the prudent and has revealed those truths to humble spiritual babies like us. He's revealed his truth to them. Look at the life of the Apostle Paul. He was one of the most intelligent Pharisees of all times. He was a well-respected rabbi when the Lord knocked him off his horse. Why? So that he would acknowledge Jesus Christ as the resurrected Son of God. In fact, Paul speaks of this in 1 Corinthians 1, verses 26 through 31. Let me read these. Great scriptures here. I love these scriptures. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things that are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. That as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Amen. I love that. Not many wise, not many mighty, not many noble. Why? God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. He has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the mighty, the base things of the world, and the things that are despised, the things that are not, to bring them that they are. Why? Here's the kicker, that no flesh should glory in his presence. You need an example of this, folks? Look right up here. This is your example. This is your example. Struggled all through high school, had terrible grades all through high school. If it wasn't for my participation in track and cross country, when I never thought about going to college. Struggled all through college. Struggled, barely got out. Didn't get various teaching jobs because my grades weren't good enough. 
I was a freak. I was a fool. I was crazy. I lived a wild, goofy life. God had a plan. He had a plan. How could I ever glory in anything that I accomplished? How could I ever glory in anything that I accomplished? You know, I have looked and looked and looked high and low for my degrees, my certificate. I got a bachelor's in industrial education from the University of North Texas. I got a master's in industrial education from Colorado State. I can't find them anywhere. I can't find them anywhere. There's a purpose for that. There's a reason for that. God doesn't want me to glory in those pieces of paper. I can't even find my bachelor's of ministry from Trinity Biblical University. There's a reason for that. God doesn't want me to glory in paper. He wants me to glory in what he accomplished, what he's accomplishing. How could I ever glory in anything but him? How could we ever glory in anything but what he has done for us? Even in the hardest times, even at the worst times, folks, God is still at work in your lives, loving you, strengthening you, encouraging you, doing all the wonderful things in your lives that he does so wonderfully. How could we ever glorify in our flesh what I accomplished? Look what I did. I mean, these people, you see a name and 4,000 things of alphabets behind them. They're going to tell you how pompous and how great they are. What? God's chose the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. The weak things to confound the mighty. Jesus Christ became our wisdom from God. Jesus Christ is our righteousness. He's our sanctification. He's our redemption. So that we would glory only and solely in him. Oh, you can glory in your flesh. Look what I did. And when somebody pats you on the back, that's your reward. That's your reward. If you want to glory in your flesh, go ahead. God doesn't respect anything accomplished in the flesh. Just look at Abraham, Ishmael, and Isaac. Abraham went into Hagar, Sarah's handmaid, and had a son. Named him Ishmael. Years later, 13 years later or so, God said to him, you're going to have a son of your own seed. Abraham said, oh, that Ishmael may walk before you. God said, no way. No way. Isaac will be the son of the seed. Isaac will be the son of the promise. God does not recognize the flesh. How can you glory in something that God doesn't recognize? So as we finish this chapter, look at verses 50 and 51. Nicodemus, there's a name we haven't heard for a while. He who came to Jesus by night, being one of them, said, Does our law judge a man before he hears him and knows what he is doing? You know, you could make it up, bless you, you could make an argument that these Pharisees were getting ready to send these guys back out, go back out and arrest him until Nick stands up. Until Nick stands up and says, yo, guys, you mean we're not even going to listen to the man? We're not even going to see what he's doing? How can we possibly do this? This doesn't seem fair. Where's the fairness in this? Let's consider Jesus' words and Jesus' works. Why? Jesus always pointed to the works. The only thing I do is what the Father is doing. He pointed to his words. The only thing I say is what the Father is saying. Jesus knew that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. He knew that. He told people, if you don't believe in me for what I say, believe in me for what I do. His works and his words go hand in hand. His works and his words go hand in hand. The miracles point to the message. And the message interpret the spiritual meaning of the miracles. He pointed to his deity, repeatedly urged people to pay attention to his words. 
But what do we hear in verse 52? They answered and said to him, are you also from Galilee? Search and look, for no prophet has arisen out of Galilee. You hear the sarcasm in their voices? You hear the sarcasm disdain by these religious leaders, these guys who are so pompous? The only thing these guys could do would be ridicule Nicodemus. I don't know about you folks, but I find nothing has changed. When you cannot answer an argument, you attack the speaker. When we speak of Jesus, all most people can do is ridicule us and put us down. They use sarcasm. They put us down. Just because someone doesn't believe in Jesus doesn't make his words any less true. Jesus' words are true. They come from God himself. Jesus is the savior of the world. Call me what you want. Make fun of me all you want. I know the truth and I believe in Jesus. All your sarcasm and name calling only makes me believe in him all the more. Say what you will. These Pharisees, these intelligentsia people, these people who were so high and mighty and stuck on themselves, these people who interpreted the law, who taught the law, who didn't live the law, didn't know the law. They didn't know their own word of God. Listen to it. Are you also from Galilee? Look, no prophet has ever arisen from Galilee. Really? Hmm. Isn't that interesting? According to 2 Kings 14, 25, there was a man who came from Gath Helper, which is three miles south of Nazareth. Jesus refers to him and points to him as an example of his death, resurrection, his death, burial, and resurrection. His name, Jonah. They didn't even know their own word. They didn't even know their own words that they had. Yes, God has risen up prophets. There's several other prophets that they question as whether they came from Galilee or not. You can go back and trace them. You might find some interesting names. One of the names that came up was Elisha. There are other names that come up. You go do the searching yourself to see. But Jonah clearly is mentioned in 2 Kings as being from that part of Israel. But no man ever spoke like that. This is the key here. The words of Jesus have power. They have power in them that can transform a life. Remember what the disciples said to him? Where can we go? You have the words of everlasting life. Where would we go? Remember in the storm, Jesus spoke and the storm was still. The disciples said, what manner is this? For even the wind and the waves obey him when he speaks. How about the centurion standing at the foot of the cross? The centurion standing at the foot of the cross. He was on guard at the foot of the cross. He heard every single thing that Jesus said. Every single thing that Jesus said. And when Jesus gave up the ghost and said it was finished and said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit and died, the centurion is quoting as saying, truly, this man was the son of God. Why? Because he heard the words. He heard what life? Giving words. What's interesting is that when Jesus was a small lad, they took him to the temple and they met an old man named Simeon. You can look at this in Luke 2. And when he saw Jesus, he prophesied over Jesus. Prophecy wasn't real great. He said, behold, this child's anointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. 
Jesus confirmed this destiny when he said, do you think that I've come to bring peace? I have not to come bring peace, but a sword. I've come to bring division. And what he meant was what we're looking at in this text. It was his utter uniqueness that was causing division. No man ever spoke like that. What did the officers hear right before they tried to arrest him? What should we have in our minds? And this is important. The last thing Jesus said before these guys returned empty-handed without Jesus was in verses 38 and 37. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. What kind of a human being talks like that? What kind of a human being speaks like that? No man ever spoke like that. It's a breathtaking claim of Jesus for who he is. It wasn't only or mainly wisdom. It wasn't his intelligence. It wasn't his forcefulness. It wasn't his meekness or his courage or his clarity. It was the over-the-top claim that he made about himself. No man ever talked like that. What did Jesus say about himself? Look at all the things that Jesus said about himself in John alone. And we're going to get to them. He's the bread of life. He's the light of the world. He's the sheep gate through which the sheep come in. He's the good shepherd. He's the resurrection and the life. He's the true vine. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. Listen to the words Jesus is using. It was by Jesus' word that the sick were healed, that demons were cast out. It was Jesus' words that encouraged those who mourn and need to be comforted. It's Jesus' words who pick us up when we fall flat on our face. By Jesus' words, mercy comes every morning and is new as joy comes in the morning. By Jesus' words, it comes for us who deserve judgment and who deserve punishment. And then he turns around and prays for those who persecute him. Jesus' words. When you place your faith, when you place your trust, when you place your entire being in the hands of Jesus, you come to him to drink. That is, if you and I are going to have eternal life, we must come to Jesus. We must look at him as our supreme and all-satisfying treasure. We must look at him as our thirst-quenching water. We must look at him as our hunger-stilling bread. We must look at him as our ever-guiding, all-illuminating life. And we must look at him as our infinitely precious substitute, the sacrifice lamb of God. That's what we have to see when we look at Jesus Christ, because that's who he is. No man ever spoke like Jesus Christ. He is true. He is the one true living God. He is God incarnate. He is the one who said, I am with the Father, and the Father is me. We are one. Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. But we can't leave it at that, folks. We can't stop there on the edge and look over. We have to say, if you don't know that, come and drink. Come and drink of the living water. Come and taste and see the Lord is good. Come and partake of Jesus Christ. If you haven't done that, why are you waiting? What are you waiting for? If you haven't admitted and confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord, if you haven't believed in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, and now he now sits on the right hand of God the Father, what are you waiting for? Time is getting short. Time is getting close. I don't know if you know this or not, folks, but we're kind of bombing Syria. Time is getting 
close. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the invitation that Jesus gave in John 7, 37 through 38 is still just as true today as it was when he gave it over 2,000 years ago. If anyone is thirsty, if anyone is hungering and thirsting for righteousness, if you've tried every social program in the entire world, if you've gone through every program that you can possibly think of, maybe several times, and you haven't reached where you want to be, why not now try the truth, Jesus Christ? Why not now try the truth? Let me ask you a crazy question. What do you have to lose? You've tried everything else under the sun. What do you have to lose? Oh, yeah, they'll call you a weirdo. They'll call you mentally ill. I've been called that all my life. It doesn't bother me at all. Yeah, they'll call you that. You might have a door slammed in your face. You might have some of your children turn their back on you for a while or whatever. But they're going to see something in you, and they're going to hear something from you, and the words of Jesus will not come back void. They will touch the hearts that you want him to touch. They will touch that heart, and that heart will be changed and transformed. You want to give up drinking? Jesus Christ. You want to give up drugs? Jesus Christ. You want to give up your lust and your immoral pornographic things? Jesus Christ. You have a problem with gluttony? Jesus Christ. He is the answer for everything that ails the world today. Jesus Christ. He has always been the answer. He will always be the answer. He is the only answer. Folks, I love you enough to tell you that if you're playing church, you are in a world of hurt. Because if Christ comes, I would hate for you to be sitting here by yourself. It is time to make a decision. It's time to make an honest decision based on what is true. One of the greatest words ever mentioned was when Pilate looked in Jesus' face and said, what is truth? Truth was standing there right in front of him, looking at him. Pilate couldn't discern it. Ladies and gentlemen, truth is standing right here today looking at you. Truth is before you. You've heard the words of Jesus. Come and drink, all who are thirsty. Come and drink. He told the woman at the well, never thirst again. Come and taste the living water. A song like that, wasn't there? Come. Don't delay. If you're playing church, no time like the present to really be the church. Maybe you've backslid. It happens. Jesus loves you. In fact, Scripture says God loves the backslider if they return to him. Remember the prodigal son coming home? God loves you. He wants to have a relationship with you, and the only way you can have that relationship is through His Son, Jesus Christ. No man ever spoke like that. No man ever will. His words are pure. His words are true today as they were thousands of years ago. You are a sure.
The Gospel of John was written from a perspective that provides an eyewitness account of what happened during the life of Jesus here on earth. Different than the other three Gospels, John's book describes Jesus in ways that confirm him as the Son of God. There are things done and said that can only point to Jesus being far more powerful than what a human could do. In the Old Testament, God referred to himself as, I am. In this book, John recounts how Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I am the resurrection and the life. These were bold statements, but Jesus proved throughout his ministry that they were indeed true. He lived a life that compelled people to follow at that time, to seek him out, and to commit their lives. And we can also follow him today. If you missed any part of today's teaching, or you'd like to listen to additional messages from Pastor Dave, visit assurehoperadio.com. Perhaps you were listening, you realized that you have some questions about faith, and maybe even about salvation. We'd be happy to talk with you and provide some resources to answer your questions. Give us a call at 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. You can also click on the Jesus tab at assurehoperadio.com. This will provide you with a succinct picture of who Jesus is and how he can change your life. Thank you again for taking the time to learn about God's word today. We hope you'll join us again next time on A Sure Hope.